Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Coming up on this week's Gagan Pressing are Schalke, the next Kaiserslautern. We then take a look at Jaden Sancho's struggles at Dortmund and just how good at Union Berlin. Of course, we recap how Leverkusen Leverkusen against Champions Bayern before a little bit on the world's best football player. Officially now, that's all coming up in the next 40 minutes on Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag. Und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And yes, another match day has been and gone. That is match day 13. Uh, and well, we've got plenty to talk about, as always. I seem to always say this, but there's a lot of pressing news uh, that's come in this week. Joining myself, as always, is the football grad creator, Manuel Beth. Manu, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well, Bryce. How about you? Not too bad. I mean, this corona thing doesn't seem to want to go away, does it? But hey, we just all got to you know, batten down the hatches and get on with it, eh? At least we've got football to talk about. But uh, joining uh, Manu and myself, and it feels like a very long time since I've been able to speak to this man on the podcast, of course, is Chris Williams. Chris, it's been ages since you and I have been on a pod together. I am over the moon. Um, yes, and it's good to speak to you. I, I just now listen to you normally when I edit this podcast, so it's nice to speak to you face-to-face. Well, it, exactly. Do, do you know why it's uh, felt even longer? I mean, it has been quite a few weeks, but it's felt even longer because I always think once we get to match day 10, I can ask Chris, well, how are you feeling about about the look of the, the table now? And it's now match day 13, so I've been waiting for a while. So I'm sure I'll drop that in at some stage, uh, Chris. But yes, let, let's get into things, uh, guys, because we've got plenty to talk about. And how about we start here? Fabian Close had a fair bit of time there. Sits towards him again. Here he is! And he's taken his moment! And Schalke undone by another header, just as they were against Freiburg in midweek. Yes, the situation at Schalke has, well, taken another turn. They still haven't got a win. Uh, things uh, are not looking any better, but they've brought in a new coach. So that's right, Baum was fired 24 hours before their game on Saturday. Uh, they went on to lose against Armenian Bienefeld, and they've brought in a rather familiar face. Yes, Hoob Stevens comes in for his fourth spell at the club. Yes, fourth. Um He's had some, uh, obviously, success in the past, uh, Manu, um, being crowned you know, the fans' coach of the century. Is this a, going to be a, a long-term fix for them? Is he here beyond the season, or is it just a short-term one? Well, and first of all, it looks like there's some licensing issues on when, when it comes to Hoop Stevens and his uh, coaching license. So I say it's probably a short-term fix. And let's be honest here. Um, Hope Stevens is a coach of a bygone era. Um, the time has times have changed dramatically, right? Football has moved on in so many ways, and 
um, speaking to people that work with him at Hoffenheim, um, his last, which was his last stand, right before um, he retired. Um, and I said that the famous bunny ears retired um, because of heart problems. That, that was the official version at the time. Um, it's, it's that, you know, Nagelsmann at the time took over then. And it looks like it, this is also just a really short-term fix that Schalke are looking for someone else to come in. And uh, I've heard names like Funkel, you know, the, the classic firefighter, as we call him in German, Feuerwehrmann to rescue the club, or Alexander Zorniker, which is also a really interesting name. Someone who coached RB Leipzig um, was in Denmark um, in his last position. So a couple of names coming around there that um, are interesting. Um, Chris Funkel, I mean, that's also another coach from a little bit of a bygone era, isn't it? It is, but I think um, you know what you're getting with him. And I think he would tighten up Schalke at the back, which is what they need. And he may be able to grind out some 1-0 wins. But, I mean, Schalke now should be looking at trying to get out. Realistically, their only aim for me is to make that relegation playoff spot. I don't think they're going to finish any higher than that. So if they can aim for that specifically, I think they've got a chance looking at the second league and who could potentially finish third. Um, But if they go down... They really need to plan again, although maybe Funkel would allow them to rebuild in the second tier. Um, I don't think he's a long-term project, but everything at the minute should just be geared on on keeping them in the league. And and for me, that the only way they're going to do that is via um, the relegation playoff and win it. It's a mess, isn't it, really? Uh, a, a big mess from top to bottom. Yeah, Stevens after the game said that there was a mental blockage and that takes longer than one day to get over. Uh, you feel that there's quite a lot of work uh, on his plate um, at the moment. Um, Manu, there's other people even can you know, comparing them to the likes of sides like uh, Hamburg and uh, Kaiserslautern. Um, obviously, these are former greats, former giants, but uh, have struggled, have been relegated from the Bundesliga. As Chris said, you know he, he's not very hopeful. He, he's saying that you know, the relegation playoff might be the best that they can do. Manu, do you feel that uh, that's going to be the same story for them, or do you think there's any possibility of a survival? Well, it's been a long time coming. This this whole situation at Schalke, right? The mismanagement didn't start this season or the season before that. It's been um, something that's been going on for a long time, and the, the current crew has come in and trying to fix problems that have been systematic. And it's it's really difficult to. I, I mean, a lot of people are saying this is Hamburger as foul too. I, I actually kind of tend to disagree a little bit. I think it's far worse because um, Gelsenkirchen is not Hamburg. Hamburg is a very rich city. There will always be some someone rich coming in um, who can come in and. Finance, finance the club and trying to rescue the club. You know, Hamburg is not Hamburg is always going to be some a club that someone is willing to put in a lot of money. That's not the same with Schalke. Gelsenkirchen is a very structurally weak city. It's um, one of the poorest cities in Germany, and Schalke is obviously a very big club with a lot of members. But um, we are in a day and age now where corporate money dictates everything, and the Tunis family financed the club for a very long time and kind of kept them afloat in many ways, right? They've been carrying a big debt. And that reminds me a lot of Kaiserslautern, which is also a very structurally weak city, um, a former giant of a club, one of the biggest clubs in German football. And they're now in the third division, right? Um, struggling for financial survival. And I think, you know, there's so much being made of Hamburger's for 2.0. I think it's more like Kaiserslautern 2.0 for Gelsenkirchen. 
you know, things are really not looking very good for Schalke. And that's even when you look beyond the table, they're sitting at the bottom with four points as we go into the winter break. They've got an awful lot to do in the second half of the season. We'll just have to see if they can manage to pull themselves out of it. Right, so let's move on to a, next, a team that have done rather well in Europe, it has to be said, this year, and that's Borussia Mönchengladbach. We've seen them lose 2-1 against Hoffenheim over the weekend, though I think the real talking point was probably in the English Fokker, where they came back 3-3, Lars Stendhal getting a hat-trick, and then scoring again the weekend, and even getting a contract extension on Friday. So, rather good times until Saturday. Um Chris, um, let's talk um, a little bit uh, about Gladbach and uh, about maybe a, a more controversial issue that happened during the game at the weekend, and that was uh, Marcus Turam getting sent off and banned for five games. He's spitting on someone, something that uh, I've heard a lot of people say isn't really his character, but you know, we, we, we never like to see this type of thing happen during the game, do we? Uh, no, we don't, of course, and... Under the current climate, um, spitting is is a very strange thing to do. Um, of course, no one wants to see it at all. It's revolting. But considering you know the corona times we're living in, it's a very prevalent, easily transmitted virus. I know the players are tested um, two, three times a week, but they live and breathe as role models. And um, what Taram did is shocking, really. And it's shocking no matter when it is, but... I think in a current situation, it makes it even worse. Now, you're quite right. He's been fined €40,000 and been banned for five games. Um, he's also getting an internal fine from the club, which is a month's wages. And he's going to be doing some charity work as well. It's it's not a good look, though, at all. I mean, Taram is a, a wonderful football player, comes from great football in stock as a family. Um, and he's he's a real nice guy normally. Uh, something's obviously just made him snap and he snapped in the worst possible way. Can only hope that uh, Gladbach get him the help he requires. Um, you know, if he's got some sort of, of um, struggling issues, if he's in a bad place mentally and it's it's made him lash out this way, you think that they will hopefully help him get over that. But yeah, it's absolutely disgusting and it's been dealt with. And unfortunately, it changed the game um, over the weekend for them. And Gladbach have been notoriously slow starters this season at times, um, not particularly good at the back also at times. And yeah, they were eventually beaten 2-1 by Hoffenheim, who haven't looked um, that good really of late um, in the Bundesliga. In Europe, they've been different. But yeah, it's an all-round bad day, I think, for, for Gladbach on Saturday. Yeah, Manu, we never want to see this type of thing in the game, do we? But um, I suppose the question is, is the winter break coming at a good time uh, for Borussia Mönchengladbach? I said that they've they've had um, a season so far that they're probably happy with, meaning that they've got further in the Champions League uh, than they have since the Champions League existed. Uh, but league-wise, it's now five games without a win um, and maybe just a little bit of frustrations coming through with the players. Well, we don't have much of a winter break, right? We're recording this on December 21st. There's still DFB Pokal games to be played midweek. Gladbach have Elversberg. They're essentially getting one weekend off and then we were straight back into it. So it's not, it's not much of a break. It's the longest break that players are going to get, but it's not much of a break. And I don't know if you can really do much in that, in that period in terms of refueling energy. I know, um, you know, those who work in the industry, like Chris and I, 
Um, you know, I know Chris is not getting much of a break at all because of the Eng English, the Premier League. But I know, for example, that that break feels very short in terms of refueling energy. And I'm not even a player. So I think that it's it's a bit too short and a lot of clubs are going to are going to feel it. I mean, even the biggest clubs in Europe are feeling the crunch, right? And Gladbach are no different. And you almost wonder at some point that, that they might have to focus on one competition. As Chris always so famously says, it might have to come down to that. And I think they reached the goal in the Champions League and maybe it's it's time to focus on the Bundesliga and try to get at least into a European spot again. Yeah, that's it. Not much of a break, I think, for anyone in football uh, this season with it being so congested. So, yeah, football will not be away for very long in Germany. So let's move on to another side that didn't have uh, much fortune over the weekend, and that was Borussia Dortmund. They faced uh, Union Berlin on Friday night, losing 2-1, conceding from two set pieces. Erden Tezic um, took control of his second game since Lucien Favre was let go. And yeah, um, this one, Chris, didn't quite go as planned. Um, I suppose, you know, people are already starting to think, you know, uh, is he the right coach to, to have in place to take them into the Champions League spots? I would say it's probably a bit premature to uh, be making those uh, presumptions. Yeah, I mean, we should probably get the good stuff out of the way first, which is um, Makoku. And I'll let Manu speak about him because he was a revelation for, for however poor Dortmund were he was the complete opposite but yeah once again it's set pieces that have undone Dortmund and um, Edin Terzic spoke at the end and he said the best way to defend a set piece is not to concede them well I mean that is right but you will concede a set piece in a game they say you're either going to concede a corner or a free kick um, in one of the channels and you have to be able to set your defense up properly I thought defensively they're a little poor um, but then you're asking midfielders like Gio Reyna who's had a fantastic season to come in and help out on that defence and his marking um, was quite poor for for the opener as well um, yeah it's it's not the best for Dortmund and I think we saw in the last match day uh, that um, Terzic's way is a little better on the eye but it's going to take a little bit of time for these players to get used to it they've been trained to a certain way under Lucien Favre um, and Terzic want them to be a little bit more direct and a little bit more open. And it's going to take some time. But yeah, he'll need to sort the defence out. Uh, I personally think they're very far away from challenging from a title. But the goal for them is to get into the Champions League. I know they'd like to win the title again, but they have to get into the Champions League because of the money and the financial security it brings with it. And then in the summer, I'm sure we'll see them go for um, a name a little bit bigger. But He's the right guy to come in because he knows the club and he knows the players. And uh, he is only an interim coach. Um, so the best that they can hope for is to get them back into the Champions League, unfortunately, I think, for Dortmund this season. Yeah, Manu, let, let's go to you and get uh, your opinion on this as well, as it seems to be such a hot topic uh, for everyone. Do you feel that you know they're quite a way off from a, a title Um you know, contending like uh, Chris has just said, but do you feel that they're able to get a Champions League spot? Um, yeah, I think I think they have to really worry about that. Uh, it's you know, there's been so much talk about titles and challenging Bayern, and um, and you look at this squad right now. I think that without Erling Haaland, they look very ordinary. It's a very ordinary squad, and it's a squad that's. Um, in my opinion, is not as good as 
Leverkusen or Leipzig at the moment, let alone Bayern, right? And the reality too is that they're only one point ahead of Union Berlin. I think there's always a lot of talk about winning titles, but and in fairness, Bayern would struggle too without Lewandowski's 17 goals, right? We'll talk about him a little bit later. And, and the same is true for, for Borussia Dortmund. We're in an era now where strikers are very important and more important than ever um, for clubs. I think the classic number nine has come back, um, which is why Mukoko's debut um, and like his first goal is so important. But I think that right now, Champions League can be their only aim. And that's the reality for Dortmund. Yeah, so if we look at Borussia Dortmund um, in a little bit more depth uh, and go beyond the coach, uh, the players don't seem to be quite performing like how we would expect either. One man in particular, Jadon Sancho, obviously he's a young player. He might be a little bit inconsistent, but Chris, he just really doesn't look himself at the moment. He doesn't look too happy. No, he doesn't. And I know he's a young player and he's going to be missing home. And I think that's a real key issue because he's unable to travel at the moment as much as he wanted to or as much as he would like to. Uh, last season, because of the way the world was earlier on, when the season started and he was in such a good vein of form, he was able to hop on a private jet from Dortmund or from Paderborn and fly in and fly out absolutely no problem. Um, obviously, because of world events, he can't do that at the moment. So... I think if you are stuck in a in, in a foreign city, um, no matter how much you enjoy being there, I think if you can't get out to see your friends and your family, that can be a bit of a problem. What happened over the summer, constant transfer speculation, can't have helped him either mentally. Obviously, he was told early on he was going nowhere. I think if you are maybe thinking you could move, that weighs on your mind a bit. And he's a young lad. And whenever I've seen him play, he almost gets raised by those around him. So when you're playing in front of the yellow wall and there's 86,000 people in the stadium cheering your name, I think it lifts you on a level. And I think he's one of those players that's missing that at the moment. But he is a very young player and you know he's still developing and he will go through peaks and troughs. Not everybody's going to be hitting 15, 16, 17, 18 assists per season when they're 20 years old. You have to allow for the development. So I think, unfortunately for him, there's a mixture of problems um, that have all come to the fore at the same time. He's very talented. I've no doubt that um, he will come back after the winter break, be a little bit more refreshed, um, and hopefully pick himself up to the standards that he was at previously. And I think you can tell, by the way, he's playing. He's missed a couple of shots. You could see on Friday night, he missed a great goal opportunity and his head went down. Um, Terzic... And Sebastian Kell and Zama and everybody need to get his head up and I'm sure he'll get back to where he was. Yeah, so let's hope that we can see that Jaden Sancho that we know uh, and we can grow to love last year. Uh, what a fantastic player he really can be. Um, another fantastic prospect, uh, Manu, is uh, Mokoko. What more can we say about this player that we haven't said in the last few weeks? He scored an absolutely fantastic goal. He, he could have scored a few and becoming the youngest Bundesliga goal scorer in history. What a fantastic start for the young man. Yeah, finally. His first goal in the Bundesliga, right? I feel like we've been waiting for this moment for so long and uh, it's finally happened. And, and I think he, he's been kind of snatching at his chances a little bit. Um, it feels like he's always been just a couple inches too short whenever he dived into one of those shots. And um, the fact that he didn't force it with, with a fantastic shot, I think it was, it was a beautiful goal. And um, 
you know, was probably the moment of the match for Borussia Dortmund um, for, you know, one of the bright spots in what was otherwise a really miserable day. And I think it's really remarkable that, you know, in Yusufu Mokoku, that's the, that's the third player in 2020 um, who breaks into the top 10 of youngest players in the Bundesliga uh, goal scorers. And I think that's kind of remarkable. And he's the fifth Borussia Dortmund player to actually be in that top 10 of youngest players in, in Bundesliga history. So, yeah, he's joining a pretty, pretty famous list of players like Pulisic, uh, Lars Ricken, Ibrahim Tanko, Nuri Sahina on there, you know, and this year we had Wirtz and um, Musiala do the same thing and also be in that top 10. So his future is bright, but it's also really interesting to see the, the amount of Borussia Dortmund players on that list. And also the fact that there's three players from this year alone, um, which also shows you that there's some really fantastic talent in the, in the Bundesliga at the moment. Yeah, there really is, isn't there? there? There's fantastic players in that Borussia Dortmund team, but, you know, throughout the Bundesliga, and that's, you know, part of the charm and why we love it so much to see these players come through. It's so exciting. Uh, what is exciting, I'll say, is Onya Berlin and how fantastic they've been this year. Uh, Coach Fisher, he said that, you know, set pieces can change a game. They certainly did on Friday night, but I think to say that they're a set piece team would uh, be doing them some uh, disfavor. They're up to sixth. They've barely spent any money in the summer. I think they've been outstanding, Chris. Um, you, I, I'm running out of nice things to say about them. There, you, what a job they've done there. Yeah, Hurst Fish has done a tremendous job. Has as of all of his back um, room staff and all of the players because when Max Caruso went out injured, I thought the wheels might come off because he had been um, Mr. Union for the start of the season. Everything that was good about this side, their attacking play, the drive. Uh, their enthusiasm, um, just the whole ethos, it seemed to be coming from Cruiser himself. And for him to um, hobble off with what you know, looked like a, an injury which would keep him out for a while, I did worry for Union Berlin. But I think that family setup that they've got, and um, Iwoni spoke about it afterwards, said it's a brilliant place to be and he's happy. And I think you can see that in the way they play. They're such a good side tactically. Fisher's got them nice and tight. Um, they've got a solid back line and they can break very quickly and they pass the ball around. They're, they're not a side which plays anti-football. They're not looking for draws. They're, they're going out to win games and they're doing it. And yeah, I thought they were good last season, um, and but they're just as good this season. The only thing I'm slightly disappointed about is that I was at this game last season when they won 3-1 and the atmosphere was incredible. And I can only imagine what that atmosphere would have been like again Friday night under the lights at the Alton Forest Rye. Such a great place to watch football. And it's such a shame that those Union Berlin fans have got to miss out on, on a wonderful result. Yeah, that is a real shame, isn't it, for those fans. They're missing out on a fantastic season. And so you're having a, have a full grind would just be spectacular at the moment. But yes, um, Union Berlin sitting up in, in sixth in a European spot, maybe something that's uh, less familiar to Bundesliga fans. How about you know, we, we move on to something a bit more familiar? One last mammoth effort from Leverkusen to take all three points. But they need to be careful not to let Bayern in, not to let Lewandowski have a shot. And Lewandowski score and break Leverkusen's hearts. They did it to themselves. They let him in and they have been severely punished by the goal scorer extraordinaire, Robert Lewandowski. 
Yep, the world's best player. That's right, Robert Lewandowski does it again. The 93rd minute scores the winner against Bayer Leverkusen, set up by Joshua Kimmich, who came off the bench. Uh, he, he's just done it again. I, I, I can't really believe this. Uh, Manu, how many times are we going to say Lewandowski does it and Bayern get over the line? Um, we will talk about uh, Leverkusen, but... It's hard not to talk about Lewandowski and Bayern at the moment. They're they're back to sitting on top of the table. Well, if you give the world's best player the opportunity to score, he's not going to say no. You know, Leverkusen gave him two Christmas presents and he, he gladfully unwrapped them and uh, accepted the gift. And that was that was the difference maker for me. Of course, Lewandowski is, is world class. I mean, uh, I think there hasn't been... Um, uh, probably it's been a more fitting re- recipient of the award given to him. I think he's been at the very top of the game and he's been the best player on the planet without a doubt over the last 12 months or whatever the period is that this award um, takes into consideration. And I think that if you are a side like Leverkusen and you play against them, then you can't make those individual mistakes because Lewandowski is going to score. If he's free in the box, he's going to put it away, right? You don't score 17 goals in 13 games because you are not able to, you know, to take the presence that are given to you. And I think, yes, he's world-class. He's the best player in the world at the moment, and he's been awarded the title finally, officially. But at the same time, you know, it, Chris and I were talking um, in our secret chat about this, and that it really can't make mistakes like that if you're Leverkusen because Leverkusen were pretty much in control up until this point. Um, really gave this game kind of away, which is really a shame, I find, in many ways. Yeah, Chris, let's move to you and um, talk a little bit about um, your Bayern maybe not being as good as what we've come to expect them to be. And also uh, Leverkusen maybe squandering a few chances. Um, they definitely may feel hard done by uh, to lose 2-1 in that game. Oh, hard done by. I- I'll disagree about that because um, I think... When you feel hard done to, you're normally on the receiving end of an injustice. Well, they were their own worst enemy. Um, the, the goal by Patrick Schick is wonderful. Um, it's quite interesting to me that all the chat post-match was about, was it similar to Zidane's goal um, in a Champions League final? Found that a bit odd, but we'll sidestep that. Yeah, I thought they played very well. I thought they outplayed Bayern for the majority of the game. But as Manu said, it's simple errors. Um, Lukas Radetzky, great guy, spoke to him. Manu and I have met him. Really nice, really hospitable guy. Doesn't mean you're a superb keeper, though. I think he's a good keeper. A world-class keeper, like the other end, Manuel Neuer, he will get you 12 to 15 points a season. A good goalkeeper will get you about eight points a season. Uh, A goalkeeper, you don't know whether he's going to have a good game or a bad game, can cost you anywhere between eight points and win you eight points. And I think Radetzky sits in that fold at the moment. Um, he's prone to an error. I think for the first goal, you know, that's his box. Manu's a goalkeeper. I'm sure he'll he'll have something to say on this, but that's his box. He either tells Jonathan Tarr to get out of the way or he just takes him out. He did neither. Um, And the ball goes to the world's best striker behind him, nods it in. And then the winning goal, DRB, I mean, all he's got to do is put it down the line. I know that Peter Bosch's side doesn't play that way. Uh, They like to play out from the back. But if you're Musa Diaby, surely you know that you're deep into added time. If you just lace the ball into the channel, it's into a neutral zone, the referee blows his whistle, 
game over. It's a draw. You're top of the league. You're the autumn champions. Everybody's happy. He doesn't. He plays a terrible ball inside to Jonathan Tarr, who miscontrols it. The ball falls to, you know, big Bobby there. And he goes in on goal. And um, Radetzky, his starting position is two foot off the floor. He's crouched down. It's a load of errors. That's, you know, unfortunately, it's the most Leverkusen thing I've seen all season um, for them to lose that game in the last seconds with the very last kick of the ball. Um, I'm sure Peter Bosch is going mad because it's not his system. It's individual errors that have cost him in this game. It's a shame for him and it's a shame for everybody at Leverkusen because until individuals start making these mistakes, it unfortunately gives class teams like Bayern a way back in. It's individual mistakes throughout the 90 minutes though, isn't it, for Leverkusen? Because it's like those two that you highlighted, they're the obvious ones. But um, as fantastic as they are, and they are one of the most fun teams in Europe to watch at the moment because they have all these exciting players. But I see Musa Diaby and Leon Bailey on almost every single forward run that they make that they make the wrong decisions in the in the final third or in the last 5% of the game. And when you look at this game in particular, it should have been 2 or 3-0 at halftime for Leverkusen. When you look at the the stats that you that you see post game, you know, it's both both sides actually had a lot of problems passing the ball and both sides had a lot of problems possession in possession, but Leverkusen still dominated all those areas. And it's really just that final decision making that that kind of destroys it for Leverkusen, right? Every single match day, they give away points because of single little individual mistakes. And I think that is that's something that they really have to work on. They have to really work on trying to fix those individual problems that they got. And Leon, like Leon Bailey and Musa Diaby, I know, Chris, you're a massive fan of Musa Diaby, and I, I am too. I think he's a fantastic player. Can you imagine how good Diaby would be if he could actually make that right decision in that final moment? And that's something you can learn. It's it's a learnable skill. And I think that's really, those are that final 3 4% that Leverkusen are missing at the moment. Yeah, Chris, uh, just uh, one final word uh, on Leverkusen. Well, before we talk about uh, two of their players, would you say, you know, on the back of this result... It gives you some sign to think that you know they're they're not going to challenge for the title now. Do you think that they're they're always going to fall short, or that's you know in this result then it's it's game over for them that they had to beat uh, Bayern Munich? Oh no, not at all. I think they've been playing some wonderful football. Had they maybe stumbled against Schalke, which I thought they would, because when a team hasn't won and the team's unbeaten, that's normally a good recipe for disaster in the Bundesliga. But they got through that. Um, I then spoke to some people that both Mano and I know at the club um, and they were not worried, but they were a little concerned about the the derby um, against Kern because Mano and I were at that fixture last season and Leverkusen were horrendous. They, they went out and won that 4-0. So there's two fixtures for me that if Leverkusen were going to slip up this season, they would have been in those fixtures. Okay, they've narrowly lost out against Bayern. Um, they've lost all three points, really. They should have had one. And I don't think that's enough um, for them to now implode. Uh, I think they'll be absolutely fine. I think Peter Bosch will have seen what needs to be sorted out. Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to get a new goalkeeper, a new defender, um, but he's going to have to work with the squad he's got, which he's been doing since he's been there. Uh, and, and he's sort of got them onto the right playing field and the right level now. He just needs to continue doing it. I, I don't think they're going to fall away at all. I think 
sometimes you learn more from a defeat than you do from a victory. So hoping that for the state of the league, not for myself, of course, hoping for the, you know, the competitiveness of the league, that, um, that, that they learn from it and they address it. And I'm sure the next game in the Allianz will be a, a cracker to watch as well. Manu, the big news that came out today from uh, Leverkusen was that uh, the twins, uh, Sven and Lars Bender, will be hanging up their boots at the end of the season. It, does this come as a bit of a surprise as they're both uh, 31 years old? So it's not like they're not like you would expect them to retire at that age. Maybe you would expect another few years. Yeah, this is um, this is something that comes close to my heart because uh, Lars and Sven. Of course, our products of the 1860 Academy followed their career for a long time. Known them, known them for a long time too. They lived in the the same town that I grew up in when they played for 1860. So, I often saw them at the S-Bahn station and taking the the, the train to the training ground in Munich. I think the reality for them is um, they're turning 32 next year, right? And um, as good as they have been, and as important as they have been. Lars and Sven Bender have not just given 100% whenever they played. They gave 150, 180%. And their body has taken a very big toll as a consequence of that. You know, very many injuries. Um, it seems like they've always had picked up very complicated injuries. And I think the two of them together have decided for health re- reasons to to call it quits on their career. And it's it's a sad moment um, because, you know, I, I have very many fond memories of them um, for, for what they've done playing for my club, but also what they've done playing for Leverkusen. And uh, Sven, of course, or money, as they called him, Dortmund playing for, for Dortmund um, and then at Leverkusen. And I think it's a little bit of an era that's now ending. But um, I wish them all the best because, you know, they're, they're two fantastic human beings. And I always enjoyed watching them play. And I think they... They fulfilled every expectations that we had in them in Munich and they played a fantastic career. And I, I understand that, you know, sometimes health has to always come ahead of everything else. And that's that's a decision that they made. And I think we have to all respect that. I think, Manu, personally, uh, they're young enough to coach. Now, I don't know if you know, Bryce, you may know, but there's the Cowley brothers in England who are a fantastic team. They, you know, they started out um, coaching non-league size and they made their way up they took a non-league club into the football league I think the 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 Bender brothers could do something similar they could be a, a full-on coaching team together and they could take a side and and have it as a little project and maybe bring them up from third league or into Zweite Bundesliga or into the top league I'd really like to see them continue on in the game working together as a coaching pair I think it would be a tremendous story personally and I know a club that should probably bring them in as soon as possible, even if it's just as assistance at first, and that would be 1860. Bring him home, you know. They're already thinking of coming home anyway, so just get that done. <laughs> it seems like we've got it all planned out for the pair of them, eh? Uh, and I must admit, it, it would be fantastic to see, wouldn't it? Um, just a, one final note before we wrap things up. Uh, we're we're going to talk about coaches. And so uh, we, we mentioned slightly earlier the, uh, the FIFA awards with uh, Robert Lewandowski, but they had uh, the FIFA, the best awards, and they coach of the year. And Jurgen Klopp's won that. Uh, the two other finalists were Marcelo Bielsa of Leeds and then obviously Hansi Flick. Uh, Chris, can we feel a little bit that uh, Hansi Flick has, you know, been denied that? Um, do, do you think it's a little unfair that that he didn't win it? Oh, good question. I don't think we can discount what Jurgen Klopp did. I think we have to remember that football has been around uh, this year longer 
than than most. And we have to remember what happened before Christmas. It's not a 2020 award, although it's called the FIFA or FIFA the Best 2020. It's from the la- the time the last award was given out, or from October last year. And you know, October until when just before football ended in March, Liverpool were phenomenal. Um, Super Cup champions, FIFA World Club Cup champions, went on to become Premier League champions, were unbeaten for almost a year, um, were playing some of the best football seen across Europe. Um, and then Hansi Flick took over at Bayern and and turned them around. So, I mean, it was neck and neck. The votes were, were split um, and it went to Jurgen Klopp because he had more nominations from national managers and... Um, national captains as opposed from the journalists that were voting. I would have been pleased to see it go either way and and both had a good stake on on the on the title to be the world's best coach. The only thing I can say to Hansi Flick is go and do it all again and I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll win it next year. I have an opinion on this. I think that Jurgen Klopp wins this based on the Premier League vote. Um, he gets a massive Premier League bonus there. I do think that Jurgen Klopp is the best coach in the world, though. Um, I, you know, on on what he has achieved throughout his career. But I've said this to Chris already. What is Marcelo Bielsa, Bielsa doing there? You know, he's promoted Leeds United. He's now 14th with them in the Premier League after spending in excess of 200 million euros on new players. Um, you know, if you if you include him, then Pellegrino Materazzo for what he's doing at Stuttgart should actually have a better shout, right? A club that has no money and is now what seventh in the Bundesliga, so I, I, I these are popular popularity awards, and Klopp wins this on the back of the Premier League. Oh, a man who had to go there with a bit of controversy, eh? Hey, that's why I went to Chris with the question. Ah, well, maybe he's right in the end. But um, yes, that more or less does it uh, for this year. You've got Pokal games happening before Christmas, yes, on this week. Uh, enjoy those. Um, otherwise, uh, Bundesliga returns on the 2nd of January and we'll be back then. So, from Manu, Chris and myself, I just say happy holidays. Thanks for tuning in this year. It's been a tough year for everyone. We really appreciate it. Uh, we hope you have a good time and we'll be back before you know it. Auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.